have your Bibles, let's go to Luke chapter 14. I'm starting a new series this morning, and we're simply calling it The Church Revived. Everyone say revived. The Church Revived. That's what we're calling it. I think we have the screens working here in a minute. There it is. And uh, what we're going to be doing the next three weeks, uh, we're leading up to Easter. We have an exciting few weeks before Easter. On, on April the 10th, uh, a missionary, Brother Joshua Moreno, many of you know him, is going to be with us in service. And uh, right before Easter, that's Palm Sunday. And leading up to that Palm Sunday, we're going to spend the next three weeks talking about what Life Church and the Church Universal is all about. Why we are here, why God has called us to be here, why God has allowed us and caused us to exist. And just in case you didn't know, it is because of him that we exist. Paul said, in him we live, move, and have our being, and that goes for the church as well. We should thank God every day that we wake up. (laughs) I said we should thank him every day that we wake up. Not because we're getting older, no, 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 because we don't have to wake up. At any given moment, it's only by God's grace and mercy that we're allowed to live. In him, the Bible says, we live, we move, and we have our being. It means that we are because we are in him. And so we're going to talk about the next few weeks why Life Church is here. What is our mission? And it's going to be directed very clearly for the church. We're going to be relaunching, resetting some things, a, a mission, the vision. We'll talk about different ministries, why they exist and why They are here. It's simply entitled The Church Revived. And this morning, we're going to focus our attention, Book of Luke, chapter 14. Let's begin reading in Luke, chapter 14. And let's skip down, verse 16. And Jesus said, Then he said to him, A certain man having a great supper and invited many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, For all things are now ready. For all things are now ready. Can I tell you that all things are now ready? We are living in a generation and a time like never before for Jesus to come. If we ever were living in a time of the last days and last hours, we're in it right now. Jesus said at this time, he said, all things are now ready in this parable, verse 18. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excuse. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to test them. I ask you to have me excuse. Still another said, I have married a wife. And therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and reported these things to his master. Everybody that was invited to the supper had a reason. Notice every one of the reasons had to do with something here on earth. Did you notice that? Their attention and their focus was not on heavenly things, but it was on things that were going on right here on earth. It's not a part of my message, but we have to be careful getting too caught up on everything around us. There's that old song that simply said, this world is not my home, but I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel like, I can't feel at home in this world anymore. The problem with these people is they were too at home in this world. I don't know about you, but my home is somewhere beyond the blue. I can't wait to get to heaven. I said, I can't wait to get to heaven. I, I enjoy my life, my family, my, uh, this church. I enjoy each one of you. I love each one of you, but I really want to see Jesus. Uh, I, like, I like the world down here. It's nice and it's fun. You go to the beach and play basketball and hang out with friends. But, friend, it is nothing like heaven, not even on your best day. Can I get an amen? So the Bible says that he goes back, the servant goes back to reports to his master, verse 21. Then the master of the house became, being angry, said to his servant, go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. 
In other words, bring all the folks that are outcast, all those ones that no one's going to think of to invite to the household. You see, God's always looking out for the downtrodden, the outcast. And I'm so thankful. Oh, I'm not even into my message yet, but I've already started. But I'm so thankful that he is curious and interested in the outcast of society and the downtrodden. Because if it had not been for that, I wouldn't be here. I, I have no right being in the house of God. I got no right being a child of God. But because he cares about all those ones that no one else cares about, I have room in the Father's house. You know what that tells me? It tells me it doesn't matter where you come from doesn't matter how, how messed up your life has been up until this point. doesn't matter the decisions that you've made or things that you've done to your mind, your body. It doesn't matter. When you come to Jesus, everything is all right. You are welcome in the house of God because when you meet Jesus, you're welcomed home. Doesn't matter your background. He said, go get the lame, go get the maimed, go get the ones that can't walk right, can't talk right, can't live. They, 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 don't, they don't have it all together. Go get them and invite them to come since all these other people weren't interested. And the servant said, verse 22, master, it is done. We've reached them. We've got them. Everyone that, that, that wants to come is in here. And still, look what it says, and still... There is room. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Let me tell you, there will always be room at the table. I'm not, I know we're, we're, I know we're packed out here this morning. You might be looking around like, there's not much room. Friend, there is always room. We'll meet, we've, we've proven it as Life Church. We'll meet under a tree if we have to. But there's always going to be room for those that are hurting, those that are broken, and those that need Jesus. There's always going to be room. God help Life Church if we ever get to a place where there's no more room. Where there's us four and no more. Oh my. Where it's our group and no one can come in. It's our clique and you're not welcome. It's our crew and we don't have room for anybody else. No, friend, that's not the way Jesus does things. In the Father's house, there is still room. We've reached out to the highways, the byways. We've brought them in and guess what? There's still room. Turn to your neighbor and tell them there's still room. Turn to someone else and tell them, there's still room. There's still room for you. Doesn't matter how bad, how messed up, how confused. There's still room. Verse 22. Verse 23, then the master said to the servant, go out into the highways and the hedges and compel. Everyone say compel. Compel them to come in. What is that? That's evangelism. He said, compel them to come in. He said, you got to convince them somehow, some way. You got to win the argument. Don't lose the argument. You got to win that one. Compel them to come in. We can't make people follow after Jesus Christ, but we can compel them. Part of, a, part of what we do as children of God is we reach out to people. Why? In order to invite, to compel, to press, to push. Because we have eternal life. We know the one that holds life in his hands. And the master says, go out to the highways and the hedges. This is the places where no one wants to go. Go, go as far as you can. Go into the, the, the places where people might be hiding out in un, inconvenient spots and compel them to come in. If it ever seems like we're a little bit pushy, if it ever seems like we're a little bit aggressive trying to get you to move closer to God, it's because we are. <laughs> I try to be nice about it. I put a smile on my face. So I say, hey, you got to get into a discipleship class. Why? Because I'm compelling you. You got to follow after Jesus. You got to choose him. It's him or nothing. It's him or eternity without him. There's nothing more valuable in this world than Jesus. This is us compelling you. And then sometimes it feels like, man, you're pushing that stuff on me. Well, I, I, I'm not trying to just be pushy, but I am trying to compel you. Because eternity's on the line. Someone say amen. 
And he said this, compelled him to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of these, none of those men who were invited shall taste my supper. Why is that? Because when you reject God, he does in fact reject you. When you say no to God, that's when he says no to you. God's, God, his invitation is for everybody, to the highways and hedges, to the lame, the blind, the maimed. He, there's room for everybody, but it's still up to you and it's still up to me to accept that invitation. God is not going to force you. If you don't want to be at the table, you don't want to be in the house of God, he's never going to force you. But what he will do is he will compel, he will ask, he will invite. The Bible says that no one can come to the Father lest the Spirit it draws him. That spirit's going to continue to draw. My prayer for so many, and I pray that it's your prayer as well. Lord, send your spirit and draw them in, God. Do what I can't do. I can't convince them. Only you can convince them. The Bible says that one plants, one waters, but God gives the increase. We can throw a little water, throw some seed, but at the end of the day, it's up to God. It's up to God to do the work of salvation. It's up to God to do the work of convincing someone in their heart and mind. Someone say amen. amen. Praise God. I feel the Holy Ghost here today. I feel like Life Church, we are getting ready to go into a moment in a season where God is going to relaunch. Everyone say relaunch. We have been a part. This church has been in the San Gabriel Valley since before 1941. I have a number working on a project. We want to tell the history of this church. We've been working on it for some time. We're going to be going through that very, very, very soon. What I'm trying to communicate is that you and I are a part of a rich heritage of believers that believe in the power of the Holy Spirit, that believe in God's power in this valley. And we are still here all these years ago. We've went through ups, we've went through downs, we've, we've gotten knocked down, but we've gotten back up. There's been times of testing, times of trial, but the church is still here. And we're here for a mission and a purpose. We're not here just to take up space. We're not here just to say that we did something. No, we're here so that people can see a light in a dark world uh, and they can find room in the house. And I believe God is going to be taking us through a, a season the next few weeks. And I pray that you would be prayerful with me as we relaunch, as we set some things in order, things that we know to do, and we're going to start and doing them again. Someone say amen. amen. The word revival, everyone say revival. revival. It has a, a, a misunderstood meaning today. Many times we start talking about revival. The church revived. We're in revival. Oh, man, we had revival. Whenever we start talking about that, usually what we mean by that in our kind of circles, in our vernacular, how we talk, it means that we've seen people get the Holy Ghost. It means that we've seen people get baptized. That's usually what we mean by that. But did you know that that's actually not the biblical definition of revival? Revival has nothing to do really with people that are outside of the church. Revival has to do with people that are inside of the church. Revival doesn't have to do with the world. Revival has to do with you and me. One misunderstanding of revival is that revival is never in the Bible. Revival is never seen in the context of the lost needing to be saved. That's called the mission of the church. That's called the fruit of what we do. That's what is being produced from a healthy church. But when a church loses for some reason its direction or meaning or purpose, there is a need for revival. To revive, to renew, uh, it simply means to give new life. Everyone say new life. Or energy to a thing. To revive is to restore from a depressed inactive or unused state. I feel like there's some people here that you've been inactive in the kingdom of God. You've been unused in the kingdom of God. I'm telling you, we're getting ready to go into a season of revival. 
where those inactive mantles that have kind of been sitting on the side, you've left them home Sunday after Sunday because, well, you know, if someone asks me to do that thing, maybe I'll pick that mantle back up. We're going into a season where God is getting ready to bring us into revival, where that mantle, it's time for you to pick it up and go back to the house of God and say, I'm going back to work. I'm going back to making a difference in the kingdom. I'm not just going to be on the sideline observing things, but I'm going to start getting into the game and participating and doing my part. I'm going to get in the fight. And I've already seen, we've already seen this in different ministries where people have taken back those old mantles. They've been given back. I see them in a number of you, even at Life Church in this last year. God is doing a work of revival at Life Church. And I've come to push us right there, right along in that same vein that those of you that had ministries, it's time you pick those ministries back up. It's time for you to get back in the game, to get back to work and say, God, I want to be used by you. We don't have time to sit. You see what's going on in the world. There's no time for us to play church or play around or sit back. We got to get serious. We got to get back to work. There's a kingdom that's got to be moved forward. If you believe it, say amen. I said there's a world to save. There's a kingdom that's got to be propelled and pushed along. God did not call us to just warm seats at a church. Now we all go through seasons. There's times of rest to everything. There's a season. But you got to be careful when that time of rest turns into a habit, which turns into a lifestyle. We saw that during the pandemic, and they're trying to bring us back to that moment. Online church became on the couch church, became in bed church. Became no church. I know how it works. Not all of us. Some of us took it serious. But let's just be honest. When we first started, March 2020, we were all in the living room shouting, dancing. And then it's like, oh, church is getting ready to start. Let me get out of bed, you know. And then it's, oh, church is getting ready to start. Let me put it on my phone, you know. Well, I know where you're at. I know what's going on. I'm human just like you. It's, it's the way it works. Rest can turn into a habit. Rest turns into a lifestyle. Then it turns into, well, someone else is already doing that. That was my ministry. That's what I did at the church, so I guess I'm just going to hang out and chill out. Well, what makes you think you can only do one thing at the church? All right, I'm, I'm way off my notes, so I told, if you're a guest, we're glad you're here. But this, let me talk to the church for just a minute because this is the way it works. This is the kingdom of God. And you have many gifts. God has given you many talents and many abilities. And you have strength in your hands. You, that means you have value in the kingdom of God. If you're here today, God didn't save you just to be a part. God saved you to be a warrior. To do something. We're seeing it right now happen in the Ukraine. In Ukraine, we, we've been praying, and we're, we're going to continue to pray and believe God's will be done, protect the innocent lives, and, and, and let God's will be done, especially protecting our, our churches. But one, one incredible thing we're seeing happening in, in the Ukraine is people taking up arms to defend their country. Average, ordinary citizens, men and women alike, Going to war to protect what? To protect their country. Why is that? Because they believe in their country. Because they love their country. They feel like their country needs to exist. They, they want it to persist and keep going. I wish to God someone would have that same fire for the church of God. That believes in the church. That believes in the gospel message. That believes it needs to exist. That it needs not just to exist, but it needs to thrive. That it needs to keep moving forward. Uh, that's when you got people that said, I'm not just going to go to church. I'm going to be the church, and I'm going to take it everywhere I go. Oh, yes. When we start seeing revival, everybody starts bearing arms. Everybody takes up a sword. Everybody goes to war. Just like Nehemiah, they go to war, but they're also going to build. We're ready to fight, but we're also ready to build. We're ready to defend what God's given us, but we're also making sure that the kingdom's going to keep going forward. That's what revival is all about. Throughout the scripture, I would define revival in this way. Revival is when the church 
is completely united and inspired with a passion to see God's will done on earth. Notice, completely united. In other words, we're moving together in harmony to see God's will done on earth. Now, notice what I said, not just God's will done in my life. God's will done on earth. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That means on earth is your family, but it's also your neighbor's family. Oh my, hello? I'm messing people up right now, aren't I? Offending, I'm a, that's okay, that's okay. I love you. It's God's will be done on earth. That means my family, your family, my neighbor's family, the family across the street that I don't even know, I want to see God's will done in their life. The mission of the church is not just to save, to reach for people that are good. Oh my. That means we don't just pray for the people of Ukraine, but also the people of Russia. That means that we don't just pray for all the Christians, but why don't we pray for our neighbors that don't believe in the Christian faith? How about our Jewish brothers or Muslim brothers and sisters? Have we remembered them? You say, well, oh, they're not in the Christian faith. Yes, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I believe that God has placed the church, not even just life church. Yes, we are a part of the church. He has placed us on the earth to see his gospel, his mission, his kingdom, and his will done on earth. And when we have revival, it means that we are completely united, moving forward with that mission. I have so many scriptures to read about revival. I'm not going to take time. Let me just say two things about revival. First, it happens in different ways. The Psalms tell us that we can pray to receive revival. Yes, you can. In other words, if you're going through a dry season, you can get yourself out of that dry season. How do you do it? You do it through prayer. It's that simple. You're going through a time where you can't hear God. You need to talk to him more. (laughs) Well, how long do I pray? What do I got to do? Pray. How long? I don't know. Pray until you hear God. Whenever I go through a dry spell, it happens to everybody. I say, God, I need to hear your voice. And if I don't hear your voice, I'm going to stay right here. Oh, just like Jacob did. He said, Lord, I am not letting go. He wrestled with that angel all night long, the Bible says. And he said, I'm not letting go until you bless me. In other words, we have to have that same passion and desire. God, I'm not letting go. I'm not letting go of this thing until I hear what you're saying to me. Moses said, Lord, unless you come with me, I'm not going to go. I'm not going anywhere unless your spirit's leading me. As a church and in our families, we have to have that same attitude. God, I'm not making this decision until you give me a clear direction. Until I can hear your voice. Until I know that you're there. If you are in a place of dry, uh, you're not hearing God, you can have revival right where you're at through prayer. Psalm 143, 11 says, Revive me, O Lord, for your name's sake, for your righteousness' sake. Bring my soul out of trouble. Revive me. Everyone say, revive me. This is a prayer that we pray. God, revive me, revive my home, revive my family. But I think it is indicative that when we're reading through the Psalms, we see this this phrase, revive us, revive me. In other words, I'm including myself. I don't just pray, God, revive my wife. God, revive my children. Even though I pray that prayer from time to time. Lord God, change them, Lord. We need to say a prayer over our kids, praise God. You pray that over your family, that's good and right, but you better be sure to pray for yourself. Oh, because it's very easy, you know, to point fingers at everyone else. Oh, my. It's easy to pray for people. Oh, Lord, change her because she is messed up. Oh, John, he just, you know, has got such an attitude. Lord, I pray you touch him. You know what that sounds like? It sounds like that old Pharisee that was looking at that, that sinner. Oh, thank God I'm not like him. Got my life together. No, no, no. 
Lord, before I pray, before I, I pray over anybody else, Lord, I need you to revive me. I need you to touch my life. I, Lord, let, my, my, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. Lord, I don't want to be going digging a, a speck out of my neighbor's eye when I got a log in my own eye. That's what Jesus said. Lord, revive me. And watch what happens. If we all pray the same prayer, God's going to touch us. God's going to touch each one of us because revival really doesn't happen as a church collective. No, revival happens with each one of us. When I go to prayer and I say, God, I need you a new fire, a fresh anointing. I, I need you to move on me all new again, God. Let me hear your word like I've never heard it before. So I pray, so I just pray that just simple like that. Lord, let me hear you like I've never heard you before. Let me feel you new today. I know I felt you yesterday, and I know I felt you last Sunday, but I, I want a new touch of God today. And guess what happens when we begin to do that? It's like a fire that begins to spread all throughout the church. But it, where does it start? It starts with you. It starts with me. It starts with us. The Bible talks about prayer being received as a, uh, sorry, revival being received through prayer. It also talks about revival being a promise. The prophets from Isaiah, Hosea, Isaiah, Hosea, and those things rhyme, don't they? Isaiah, Hosea, Habakkuk, they all talk about this idea of revival coming as a promise to the righteous, to the people of God. I I don't have time to read all of them, but let me just read Habakkuk 3, 2. O Lord, I have heard your speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known in wrath. Remember mercy. You know what it means, God? Let us have, revive us in our time. That's what it means. Revive us here. Revive us now. In other words, that revival that was in the church before, God, it was good for that time. But we want a new thing. God, we, we don't just want something new. We need something new. I said, we don't just want it. We need it. In 2022, the church is facing challenges that we've never faced before. There's attacks that have never been in our world where we are at right now. We need God more today than we've ever needed him before. There's a reason why every single day when the children of Israel woke up, they went out and found brand new fresh manna lying on the ground. This is why Jesus said, I am your bread. I am your daily bread. I am the bread of life. What they would have understood as Hebrews, Jewish people, they would have understood that same manna that showed up every single day in the wilderness. Hallelujah. Not, not old stuff, new stuff. Not, not, not a blessing from years gone by, but a new blessing. I don't know about you, but I pray that this church, that we get a hold of something new. And we're not just holding on to a blessing that was in the past. Those blessings work good as a landmark in your life. Where you can point back and say, yeah, I, I touched God back in 2001. Or something. Or 1987, I felt the Holy Ghost. and Wow, that was powerful. That's great. It's great that you felt it in 1987 and 2001. But what about 2022? What about a fresh touch, a fresh anointing, fresh bread? God designed it for every single day. This is why he said it's a daily bread. All right, I'll move on. But God, God intended us to have a revival on a daily basis. To hear his voice on a daily basis. To have fresh bread every single day. And this is the way revival is depicted in scripture. We receive it through prayer. It's also received through promise for those that have put themselves in a position for revival. It also means when you read through the scripture that revival doesn't just fall randomly. It's not like, well, maybe I'll come on the right Sunday when we're having revival. We, we talk like that. We, that's, our, that's our vernacular. But the truth of the matter is it's not random. No, it happens when people make up their mind that they're going to touch God over everything else and before everything else. This means that you and I, we can place ourselves in a position for us to feel God like never before. 
we can place ourselves in a position for revival to come. That's the promise of God. We can bring that spirit of revival and that renewal into our homes. You having trouble in your marriage? You need revival. Trouble in your finances is frustrating you? You need revival. The reason I say it's frustrating you because sometimes revival ain't going to fix the finances. <laughs> no, work will do that. God can do it, but he doesn't always do that. I'm not one of those preachers that's going to tell you, hey, you pay your tithe and your offering, God's going to, you know, you know, give you a million bucks, you know. It's not the way it works. Sometimes you pay your tithe and your offering and you still don't have money. <laughs> well, I just crossed some theological swords with some of you. But it's true. You want to know why? Because God didn't call you to be rich. I say God didn't call you just to have a lot of money. God didn't call you to be wealthy. God called you to be a part of his kingdom. And we can read multiple times in your Bible where they didn't have enough money. Read your Bible. Even Jesus said, foxes have holes. Birds have nests, but the Son of Man doesn't have anywhere to lay his head. This isn't a get-rich-quick scheme. God doesn't promise you uh, wealth and health and prosperity. That's not, that's not, that's not it. That's not always going to work out. Sometimes you're going to do what you're supposed to do, live for God, give, support, take care of your responsibilities, and it might be tight sometimes. You're paying nearly $7 a gallon of gas. It's going to be tight sometimes. God's promise isn't that you're going to be rich. God's promise is that you're going to be okay. God's not promising you that you're going to have wealth beyond your imagination. No, no, no. But God's promise is that he will supply all your needs. You might not have the, be able to stay at the Ritz-Carlton, but you're not going to go hungry either. David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed out begging bread. So in other words, I might not be rich, but I got everything that I need. I might not have everything in the world, but I'm okay. And that's what God promises his people. And when you have revival, it changes the way you think about things. We don't get depressed like the world gets depressed. Well, I know what depression is. I bought a truck this last year, Brother Art. Man, that was a mistake. <laughs> I, don't even, I, can't, I don't even know how high the gasoline will go up. So stop at 50 bucks. That's all it gets. That's all we're doing today. You know? My Lord, the gas is crazy. But we don't, we don't respond like the world responds. Down there, all frustrated. How are we going to do? How are we going to make? God's been good to me. God's taking care of his people. God's not going to leave you out in the cold. You stay faithful to God, he's going to stay faithful to you. You're not going to have everything, but you're going to make it. And revival changes how you think about things. When you get God in your spirit, when you begin to walk after him, you can trust not in, not in the world's economy. I trust in God's economy. Uh, it's not about the house it's about where God called me to plant my home it, it's not about my bank account it's he's going to supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory someone say amen. amen moving along I'll be done in a little bit what does the church look like what does the church look like when we go into revival can I tell you that revival isn't just about crazy worship, although we believe in, you know, exuberant worship. <laughs> Some of you saw that this morning, and that's okay. That's a part of being Pentecostal. The Bible says in the day of Pentecost, there, were, there was a, a noise, a, a sound, rushing mighty. I believe it should be exuberant. We read about David in the Old Testament. The Bible says he danced before the Lord. We used to sing that old song, Dance Like David Danced. We don't sing that song anymore, do we? We need to bring some of those old songs back. Yeah? That's not even that old, is it? <laughs> some of you are like, that's not that old. <laughs> we should sing some of them. Brother Ivan, let's, let's bring that one back. Praise God. That's how it works right there, see? David danced before the Lord, before the Ark of the Covenant. Why? Because he recognized that the Spirit of God had been brought back to the people of God. What was it? That's revival. Something that was depressed. Dormant, unused. 
He recognized we're nothing without the presence of God. We're nothing without the Spirit of God. We're nothing without the power of God. And so what does he do? He begins to dance. Worship God. Michael's over there talking about, what are you doing? Crazy guy. What's he doing? Embarrassing. You're the king. What are you thinking? David said, I'm not going to be silent. I, I, I recognize. I recognize that without the presence of God, I am nothing. But can I tell you something? It's not just crazy, exuberant worship. Why? Because you can worship and not get revival. You can shout, you can dance, you can run and still not have revival. Means you can do the part. I know I'd done it when I was a kid. I did it a lot as a teenager. I knew how to play church. I knew how to just, you know, do what you're supposed to do. I know when to jump, when to shout, you know, they used to run, when to run, you know, all that. You know how just to get by. You can worship God without being changed. It's not just good preaching either because I've seen preaching go forth. And I don't believe that you can be saved without preaching, but you hear me today that you can hear preaching and still never be changed. The Bible says that the coin of Luke 15 was lost in the house. You know that you can be lost in the house? It means that you can show up, you're faithful. You're faithful to the house of God. I was there every week. Did you know you can be lost in the house? So it's not just crazy and exuberant worship. It's not just preaching. It's not just fellowship and friendship. And what well, we love fellowship at Life Church. We love to party and have events. But it's not just the fellowship and the friendship and the programs and the events. Revival happens when we are moved and motivated to see God's mission moving forward. We're motivated when we see God winning. We're motivated when we see Jesus being glorified and there's people being saved and lives are being changed. That's when we know this is what revival looks like when people are changed. The preacher Charles Finney once said, a revival is nothing else than a new beginning of obedience to God. A revival is nothing else than a new beginning of obedience to God. In other words, we already know what to do. Revival is just doing it. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, just do it. You know what to do. You've been in church for so, some of you have been in church longer than I've been alive, praise God. You've been in church a long time. You know what to do. Dwight L. Mooney, Moody, he said it like this in 1899. There is nothing I am concerned or more concerned about just now than that God should revive his church in America. I believe it is the only hope for our republic. For I don't believe that a republic form of government can last without righteousness. It seems to me that every patriot, every man who loves his country ought to be anxious that the church of God be quickened and revived. Can I tell you the answer for our world is a church that is revived. I understand there's a lot of things going on. I understand we're living in, in crazy times, even some might say dark times. I, I understand things that are going on across the world and culture. And, but there, this world is without, without hope if the church is not revived. If the church does not experience a deep move of God, this world does not have hope. It's not a politician that's going to write a law or some new policy or regulation that can fix this world. It's not any economic or military decisions that can fix this world. It's not a climate decision that can fix this world. The only thing that can fix this world is revival. Someone say amen. I believe it's time for Life Church to move that mission forward. The mission of Life Church has never changed ever since the very 
beginning because the mission of Life Church is the same mission of every church. Simply this make disciples. Matthew chapter 28, and I'm getting ready to close, verses 18 to 20. It came up here to make sure I'm closing. Bible says in verse 18 in Matthew 28, you have your Bibles, come with me. It's also going to be on the screen as well. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. I'm thankful I know that name. In verse 20, he said, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. In other words, even when it gets dark, even when it gets bleak, I'm going to be with you. As long as you're doing what I called you to do, as long as you're obeying my commission, as long as you're doing what I sent you into the world to do, I will be with you. What does it look like? How do we know that we're being successful? How do we know when we're making disciples? How do we know when we are fulfilling the mission of God? There was a, there was a sign. I should have grabbed some photos, but they were, it was a while back. I don't know, some casino between... Southern California, Northern California. might have been up near Sacramento or Lake Tahoe or something like that. It was some casino. And they had these signs every few miles on the freeway. And I remember one night, just driving late at night. I was driving on the freeway. Family was all asleep. And I'd see every, every few miles, it would just be a simple sign. And it was someone screaming, like super happy and smiling. And it would just say, this is winning. That's all it would say. This is winning. They're trying to depict somehow that the image that's on this sign, this person must have won a whole lot of money, or maybe they, you know, you know, I don't know, <laughs> however you win money. <laughs> They've never been, because, you know, whatever. They, they won money, so they were excited, you know, the thing you pulled out. I was trying to think of what that thing was called. They always call it a slot. Okay, there you go. So they, they had won money, so they were all excited about it. And, I, and every time I would see it, I just kept on thinking in my mind, that's not winning. They're, they're happy, but that's not winning. What do they win? Maybe $5,000, $10,000. I mean, sure, you'd be happy. But think about how fast that money could go. You're going to spend that in gas by the end of the week. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's not winning. You, you captured someone in, a, in, a, in a, a moment where they got lucky at some, because that's not winning. You know what winning looks like? Winning. <laughs> winning is when people become disciples. That's winning. Why does the church exist? The church exists so that people become disciples. What does winning look like? It looks like someone making a decision to be baptized in the name of Jesus. That's what winning looks like. Someone that came out of a life of drugs and families messed up. They messed up their mind. They messed up their fine, messed up their life. They've made a decision to follow after Christ and said, I, I want to be baptized in the saving name of Jesus Christ. That's winning. That's what winning looks like. Winning looks like someone that is filled with the powerful gift of the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues. Yes, we believe that here. We believe it's God's will that every single person be filled with the gift of of the Holy Ghost. Someone say amen. amen. That's what winning looks like. Winning is a marriage that's restored. Winning is a prodigal son and daughter that comes home. Winning is someone overcoming addiction, getting their life back together. That's what winning looks like. Winning is a young person that decides, I'm going to live for God the rest of my life. That's winning. Winning's a young adult that says, I don't, I don't really care what's going on in the world, but I want to give my life to the ministry. I want to be a preacher, a missionary, an evangelist. That's called winning. 
Winning is creating relationships through small groups in a church where you have uh, unbreakable bonds with the people of God. That's winning. I said that's winning. When you have a family in the house of God. Winning is what what it looks like when people put the needs of others before themselves. In other words, I would rather my brother or my sister get blessed. I would rather them receive. I would prefer, everyone say prefer. I would rather my brother or my sister be blessed or receive before I get blessed or receive. Almost as if a guest comes to the house it's, it's rude to eat before the guests, you know. It's rude to start digging in before your guests even show up. <laughs> Some of you are like, yes, it is. I've been there before. See, when you put someone else's needs before your own, this is when you're truly becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. What, what am I talking about today? I'm talking about Life Church walking into a new season where we are, I'm walking out, sorry, we're working on the sound. I, I, played a, I played a trick on you there, Brother Evan. <laughs> a season where we are disciples who are making disciples. And here's the thing, we, we, we already know this, so this is not new. What this is called is revival. Did you hear me? I said it's called revival. Taking back something that was once perhaps dormant, something that we knew, something we, we even know to do. I'm talking to some people right now that there are ministries. There are things that you know God has called you to do. God has been pulling and kind of tugging on your heart and wants you to get back involved into some things. I'm telling you, now is the time. It's time for you to say yes to God. It's time for you to say, God, whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to serve, whatever you want me to be a part of, God, that's what I want to be a part of. I want to make a difference in the kingdom of God. I want to make sure that you're winning, that your name is getting made famous all over the earth. I want to see your kingdom go further, further than ever before and it only happens when we experience revival everyone say revival revival is not something i've said it that just falls on you you don't have any choice no it happens when you make up your mind and here's something else when you make up your mind and you choose say i'm gonna pick up that old ministry that old mantle i'm gonna get back involved i'm gonna make a difference that's when the blessings of God begin to be poured out. You see, because it's the disciples, they're the ones that know Jesus the most. It's the disciples that are the closest to Jesus. It's the disciples that got to sit around in the circle and be the chosen few that were selected. When you decide to go to work for the kingdom of God, there are so many blessings in store for you. The Bible depicts it as a crown of righteousness in heaven. But it's more than just a crown. It's more than just a, a judgment of works. The Bible says that there are going to be some that, that present before God. And it's going to be as wood, hay, and stubble. It's going to be consumed and destroyed. But they're going to maintain their salvation. But then there's others that the work that they did on earth is going to be as gold, as silver, and it's going to survive the judgment. In other words, every one of us, when we get to heaven, we're going to have something in our hands, and it's called works. It's what we did on earth. What we did here and now. And that judgment's going to carry into eternity. It's a judgment of works. I don't have enough time to teach about to teach about it right now. But what I'm trying to communicate to each one of us is what we do in the kingdom of God matters. 
And I don't know about you, but I don't want to show up to heaven with wood, hay, and stubble. I don't want to show up to heaven with scraps saying, well, I kind of wasted time a little bit. I didn't really do as much as I could have done. I kind of showed up when I, when, I was, when I needed to show up. No, I want to show up to heaven saying, God, I did everything I could do. Everything in my power, I did it. Whatever was asked of me, I said yes. Whatever they needed, I did it. I showed up early. I left late. I did my best want to know why because I'm not just squeaking into heaven <laughs> I said I'm not just getting by into heaven no no no, no. I, I'm not just trying to survive earth and hopefully get no 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 I'm going to do everything I can I'm living for God with everything with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, everything. And I believe this is what God is calling us to, church. I believe he's calling us to give everything to him. God's calling us to give everything. God, I'm going to lay it all on the line for you. I want to do what makes you happy. I want to fulfill your will for my life. If that's you today, if you feel the same way, why don't you stand to your feet, lift both hands into the air, and say, God, I want to fulfill your will in my life. Come on, say it. Lord, I want to fulfill your will in my life today. Lord, whatever you have for me, Jesus. Whatever you have for me, Jesus. Yeah. Where's Brother Willie at? Brother Willie, can you come up here? Come on up here, Brother Willie. Come right up here. Brother Willie, uh, he became our head usher at Life Church. Come to find out, Brother Willie's been a head usher before. He knows what he's doing. He's really good at it, man. Shows up, telling everyone where to go. I'm like, yeah, that's good. That's what I... You know what I believe happened? Brother Willie picked up an old mantle. That's what happened. He had a gifting. He had an anointing. You might not believe it's an anointing. I believe it's an anointing. I believe that God gives us an anointing to do the work of God. I believe that God anoints us... When we decide, Lord, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get back involved. I'm going to step in. Whatever you ask, I'm going to do it. And there's a blessing and a favor. What I want you to do right now, I want you to extend your hands oh, oh, to Brother Willie. We're going to bless him right now. Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, you've seen the decision that he made, God, to step in and get involved. I pray, God, that there be an anointing and a blessing on his family, on his children. God, you're not going to let this sacrifice go unseen, but you are faithful even to a thousand generations. Let your blessings be on the Oros family today. Let your favor be on them today. Whatever you have for him and his family is why his children let it be so uh, in the name of Jesus God's going to begin to answer your prayers he's going to begin to answer your prayers prayers that you've been praying for years God's getting ready to answer them for you right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. There's prayers that Brother Oros and Sister Rosa have been praying. God's going to answer those prayers. God's going to stay faithful because you've been faithful. Brother Chris, Sister Dolores, come up here for a moment. Brother Chris. And you're almost as tall as me, and I'm up here. My Lord, this guy is big, man. Brother Chris, Sister Dolores have stepped into a new role as First Impressions Director at Life Church. Uh, you say, why, why are you taking time out? Because I want to highlight something. I want you to see when God begins to bless these folks. 
when the blessings fall on the Oros family, you're going to know why it's falling. You're not going to be able to sit back and say, why is God blessing the Stokes and not me? Because they're doing something for the kingdom of God. And there's a blessing uh, associated with service. I want you to reach forth your hands right now and pray a blessing on the Stokes family right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, uh, Lord, that your hand, your will, your favor would be done in a new way, uh, in a fresh way. Let there be an anointing. Let there be favor in their marriage, on their finances, on their health. Lord, right now in the name of Jesus, right now in the name of Jesus, let your favor be poured out. Right now, oh Jesus, oh Jesus, oh Jesus. I believe that there's an invitation ready to go out right now. Anybody in here you need and you want. Right where you're at, just lift your hands in the air right now. I'm done. We're going to be done in just a moment, but just lift your hands right now. And I just want you to begin to worship the Lord right where you're at. Say, Jesus, I love you. Lord, I love you, God. I worship you. If you're here today and God has called you to a ministry, a deeper level of commitment and ministry, a deeper level of commitment in Christ, I want you to come to the front right now. I want you to come to the front right now. You're going to be here. Yeah, stand right here. If you're here and you are called to a deeper level of commitment, uh, a deeper level of of service, of sacrifice, whatever it is. Maybe God's been dealing with you about baptism. Maybe God's been dealing with you about the Holy Ghost. I want you to come to the front right now. And when you come, I want you to lift your hands. I want you to lift your heart, your voice. And I want you to begin to call out to God and say, God, whatever you want for me, God, whatever you have for me, that's what I want. We have altar team. They're going to come and pray with you right now. Altar team, would you come? Would you come? If you're here right now, Right now, let's begin to pray. Oh, Ramasata. Yay. If you're down here, come lifting your hands. Lifting your hands. Say, God, whatever you have for me and my family. God, whatever you have for me and my family. God, that's what I want. God, whatever you want me to do, that's what I want to do. God, I'm stepping into this new season. I'm going to fulfill your call in my life. I'm not going to let a moment get away. I'm not going to let another year get away. I'm going to get involved in your kingdom. Come on, we're going to have revival. We're going to see God do something. We're going to see God do something. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, would you find someone to pray for? Find someone to pray with right now. If you're on the altar team, press in. Come on the platform. Get around. Do what you got to do. Find someone to pray for right now. That's it. I can feel it in the spirit. There are ministries being birthed in the house this morning. There are ministries going forth in the house this morning. I see evangelists. I see missionaries. I see church planters. I see pastors. God's calling you this morning. God's calling you this morning.
Darkest night, you can light it up. 